Wouldn't that have been sad if all I had gotten were the first 39 years of my life? And that's that's quite possible. You know, people people pass away at that age and never had really been like truly happy, truly pursuing the things uh, that I wanted to. So that's why I'm just like eternally grateful that I have had this time. From somewhere around the world, welcome to the Black Women Travel Podcast. Hi, my name is Wanda Duncan, and I'm so glad you're joining me as we explore the paths of Black women who've made travel a large part of their lives. Welcome to the show. Hey loves, it's Wanda, the host of the Black Women Travel Podcast. I'd like to invite you to become a patron of the Black Women Travel Podcast. There are a few budget-friendly tiers you can choose from so that as a community, we can continue to heal, ask for what we deserve, get it, and inspire the next generation. Tap the link in the show notes and choose a monthly contribution that suits you. I'm so excited about the episodes you'll hear that will nudge you to love yourself deeper and take more action in your life from that empowered place. Please consider becoming a monthly subscriber through patreon.com slash bwtpod. Get ready to hear another great episode. Thanks so much for joining us today. Can you please tell us your name, where you're from, your current location, and the name of your business? Uh, my name is Adelia Borashade. I'm from Houston, Texas. I am currently in Hefei, China, and my business, my blog is known as Picky Girl Travels the World. What does Adelia mean? It means noble. What, what language is that in? Uh, it's actually a Germanic name. Um, my mother's name was Patricia, and she wanted a name that meant noble, what hers does. And, but she needed a name that started with an A, so she found that in a dictionary. That's so interesting. What, did she tell you why she wanted it to have the same meaning as her own? No. Uh, <laughs> I guess that was the homage to herself because my name needed to start with the letter A so that I could have the same initials as my father. So I guess that's what she got. He got the initials and she got the meaning. <laughs> okay. She, she never she never mentioned why and I never thought to ask. Yeah. That's interesting. So that like takes many me to a whole nother level, right? Like, you know. So I yeah. want to talk about her a little bit. You, uh, she suffered a stroke at the age of 59 and yes. that impacted you. You had to pack up her home and you said that she had been saving a lot of things, you know, for the good occasions, the good dishes, or uh, I'm not sure what other specific things, but you did mention like dishes, um, but that she because she had the stroke, she, she was never able to move back into her home. And so that set something off inside you and said, I'm not, I'm not going to wait for the perfect occasion. Like I'm alive today, right now, that is the perfect occasion. So you said you would eat like a peanut butter and jelly 
on the good dishes. <laughs> well, how eating on the good dishes type of philosophy has impacted all the decisions you've made since then? I think it really just made me question why we do things the way we do, because before I had to go and clean out her house, you know, we all knew that you saved the good towels for when company came over. There was the the fancy soap you didn't use. You only used the good dishes on special occasions, although you know, I could probably count on my on one hand how many times those special occasions happened. So um, I was like, I, I just I was so struck by what a waste it was that she was saving these things and she never fully got to enjoy them. And I thought, well, you know, I don't want to make that mistake. And uh, I think from then on, I became very purposeful about that sort of thing. I can, uh, one memory that comes to mind was um, I hosted Christmas at my house. Uh, This is when I was married and all of his extended family came and they all wanted to eat on paper plates. And I was like, no. And I pulled out the special Christmas dishes and was like, we're going to eat on these. Like there's no point in having these if we're not going to use them. Um, I think also that sort of fed into uh, my minimalism because if it's not something I'm going to use as part of my everyday life, it's not something I need to own. So as a married person, you lived in the suburbs, you had like a big house, it seemed like you had multiple cars. Um, When you were getting ready to move your first time or like after your divorce, Um, you said that none of those things brought you happiness and you're thinking about it again because you're going to be moving again from China to who knows where, (laughs) whenever you're able to with (laughs) everything going on. So you've just been so much more conscious about physical things that you have. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Like now as I'm, you know, there's some things and it's kind of a, a little bit of a struggle because part of the reason my mother was the way she was, was because her mother grew up during the great depression, you know? And so you save things, you reuse things. If it still has functionality, you keep it or the possibility that you might could use it in the future. And so even with as minimal as my life is now, there are things that I look at and I'm like, you know, like sewing supplies that, I stocked up on before I moved to Honduras four years ago because I just didn't know what kind of situation I'd be in and availability. But some of those things I have not used. And so I'm really asking myself, are we going to pack this and move this to another country? Or are we just going to say, you know, you haven't used it in four years. You're probably not going to use it. And I'll just suck it up if I have to rebuy it, you know, after I move. And that's like a big deal. So you, (laughs) I haven't seen how a lot of the other ladies actually travel who I know like are long-term traveling or like hunker down in a place for a while, but you have shared your travel gear. So you travel, first of all, you're seamstress. You sew most of your clothes? Pretty much. And so you travel with fabric and patterns, and that is the bulk of what you travel with and your sewing machine. 
but that's yes not <laughs> nearly as much compared to the fabric and the patterns that you travel with girl i, I yeah i had to i actually had more patterns when when i left mexico um there were some things I was trying to hold on to and my luggage was overweight. And so I was that person at the ticket counter going through things like having to let stuff go um, because I wasn't going to let the fabric go. So some of the patterns went, you know, cause again, it's that mentality of, well, I might not make this right now, but I might make it in the future. So I've, I've, you know, I'm not like a hundred percent perfect at this. It's still, still a work in progress. Yeah, it's a process, right? Because it's good to have the awareness of where the the habit comes from, because that's all they are, right? Our habits. So you have an awareness of where the habit comes from, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the, what is it? The idea, the belief, the belief has changed around the habit of this, I might need this for later or this, because those things comfort you. Um, sewing is a part of your self-care, right? Yeah, very much so. So like that's an investment in yourself. So it can be hard <laughs> because... And and also because I make a point that the fabric I buy, like I don't just buy stuff because it's cheap or what have you. Like the fabric I buy, you know, I picked it up on my travels or it was ethically made or something like that. So like, you know, with the few things that I own, they all mean something to me and have great value. So that's why it's a, it's a struggle, you know, but in theory, I should have sewed all that stuff up by now, but you know, I haven't. So, so talk about that a little bit. So you can reuse patterns. Yes. And you just use the patterns on the fabric. So if you want to make several pairs of pants or several types of shirts, then you have to keep the pattern, right? Yes, yes. But, um, you know, like you said, about being aware of the habit, although I virtually, I don't shop um, anymore. Like, you know how people will say, oh, I'll just go to Walmart and walk around. I'll just go to Target and walk around. I don't do that anymore because my lifestyle is so minimal. Like if you buy something, then you got to think about where is this going to go? How am I, when I, when I move to the next country, is this coming with me? That sort of thing. So a lot of those um, superfluous purchases I don't make anymore, but patterns, you know, there was a time in my life before um, I, when I was still married, when, you know, like a new design comes out and you're like, oh my gosh, this is gorgeous. And you buy the pattern when it's on sale, hoping that you will make it eventually. And so, um, and eventually like paper patterns, uh, from the big companies eventually get out of print. So it's like, let me get this while they have it. Um, and so that was something I had to kind of learn to let go a little bit. Um, I do have digital patterns, which you, you print them out like on your home printer and you tape them together. And so with those, that definitely fits more with the lifestyle because when I'm done with the pattern, I can recycle that paper. And if I need to make it again, I can just reprint it. Is there a way, a way to digitize the patterns that you have? 
Um, probably, but way too much effort <laughs> and probably way too much cost. You know, like if I had mad seamstress skills and I didn't need patterns to sew, that would be one thing, but I don't have those kind of skills. I can follow direction. Um, so I need them. But one thing that is that if you do this long enough, you start to figure out that there is nothing new under the sun and the same silhouettes start to recycle through. So a pattern I bought eight years ago, that silhouette may be out as a new release, but I'm like, you know what, the one I have now, I can tweak it a little bit and I can make that. That's just so dope. Um, I just don't know how many modern day seamstresses there are aside from in countries where it never left is that something that you learned from your mother um yes uh she, actually she taught me to sew i think i was like in the sixth grade because she was like you're gonna learn to sew and i'm i made like my summer clothes like people don't talk about them anymore but you remember wearing short sets where the shorts and the shirt matched i uh I made, I made those, but, and then for a long time, I didn't sew, and I, I just got back into it probably like 2012, um, because, you know, what you could buy in the store versus what was available for you to make, there was a gap there, but um, that is very different now, and also, when I go to the store, I'm, I'm in that weird place that I'm too old for juniors, but I am not, I'm not like old enough for the clothes that they think I'm supposed to be wearing. So I couldn't find what I wanted to wear in the styles I wanted, in the fabrics I wanted. I had issues with, um, you know, how ethically those things were made. And I was like, well, at least if I make it, I know uh, about the labor that goes into my clothing. So yeah. That's really dope. I love that so much. Um, you, I also wanted to ask you, so it's more of a style because um, it's not, you don't seem to have an atypical body shape. You know, the girls with the big old butts and the small waist and you had a big old gap in the jeans and... <laughs> Yeah, no, I, they, for the most part, I have not had issues finding my size. Yeah. Um, cause that is why a lot of women have kind of come back to sewing yeah. and that's a big part of the movement. Now for me, it was style. Um, like I said, the, the, the kinds of fabrics, the, the aesthetic, I couldn't find what I wanted to wear. That map fabric that you have and like the dress shirt is so clutch it is everybody loves so that dress freaking gorgeous you look great in it you should just like wear that all the time <laughs> and I went I went I, I I was on the hunt for map fabric because you know I'm a geography nerd I taught geography for a really long time and um I was, I had a trip to Spain and of course that was a chance to go fabric shopping. And I found a shop in Madrid that had matte fabric and I was like, okay, whatever else we do on this trip, but I need to go here and I need to buy this. And um, I didn't know at the time that I bought the fabric that it was going to be that dress. Um, but yeah, everybody loves that dress. 
So I wanted to ask too, like about your father. So you said that he's Nigerian, but you don't have any connections to like the culture and possibly like not the family at all? None. None. I have a box of letters. I've got some pictures, um, but that's it. Do you think that's impacted how you're able to have relationships? That's a good question. Um, I like to say no, but it probably does. Um, I mean, I was, my mother told me that my father had died. Well, when she had the stroke and I had to go through her papers, I found a divorce uh, decree from when I was two years old. Mm, that doesn't add up. And so she had been saving a box of letters for me. And I read through those letters and figured out that, no, he had not died. He'd been alive for quite a while. Um, and I was like, I will say that after reading the letters, my opinion of him was not so great, <laughs> um, which probably decreased any, if I had any desire to like locate that family. I can't say that I ever did. I know a lot of people who are adopted um, often talk about feeling like they're missing a part of themselves or missing a part of their history or they have this, some, this hole that needed to be filled. I can't say that I ever felt that way. Um, I have had a curiosity about the culture but I haven't had a longing to connect with that part of the family, if that makes any sense. It does, but it is interesting because you've seen how much you've changed and like, who knows what that man's life was like. Cause it seems like if you only have an opinion of him through letters and like, maybe he, wasn't saying the right stuff, <laughs> you know? Well, like. well, one of, one of my brothers, uh, reached out. He had a, a, he has other children, um, older than me and probably younger than me. Um, apparently this brother of mine had been living in Georgia and it, it just so happened that he reached out about the time that my mom was in the hospital with her stroke, um, and so he filled in a few gaps and I was like, okay, that's cool. All right. You can go back to your life. I can go back to mine. Um, so, you know, like I, I discovered that I was basically the outside child. Like they all knew about his wife in the States, but my mother did not know he had a wife and there were girlfriends and all of that. Hmm. Okay, that's tricky. So, and you know, I I even asked myself, like, am I am I salty about that? I I like to think that I'm not, but I don't know. Maybe I am. <laughs> it I seems like know. you definitely have an opinion about it because it's like well, I don't know. Maybe maybe if the situation were presented, it'd be like, well, I'm curious to know, and like, well, maybe there could be this or that, but just just like. Okay, bye. Uh, well, okay, bye. well, you know, finding that out in addition to the content of the letters didn't 
it did not, uh, I don't know, I didn't feel like, oh, I, I need more answers. I kind of felt like, okay, I got them. Yeah. Well, girl, sometimes that's all it is. <laughs> you have two grown daughters. Yes. And like, wow, <laughs> like two grown adult human beings. Um, yeah, and two granddaughters. And my goodness, that just blew my wig all the way back. <laughs> my edges have come up. I don't know if I'll ever make a full recovery. Um, so you moved to Honduras. So you, you quit everybody. You quit everything. And then you moved to Honduras in 2016. And you, you took your 15-year-old with you. Um, mm-hmm. You also have a third daughter, Mia, the best little schnauzer there ever was in life. <laughs> um, yeah. So you, you're traveling with your, your dog as well. Um, wow. Adelia. What has that been like? Cause like you, you talk about, you talk a lot about your own journey and especially like these last four or five years. So there's a quote, uh, why well, I'm quoting you. This is something that you said on your Instagram. You said you spent nearly, I spent nearly half my life trying unsuccessfully to satisfy other people. This was at the cost of my happiness. I'm so grateful for second chances. It's never too late to live life on your own terms. And so you just must be like hammering this into them. How has you stepping into yourself impacted your relationships with them? With my younger daughter, because um, my oldest daughter had already graduated high school and moved out. So she kind of wasn't around for me finding myself again. But my younger daughter, I think it has just kind of removed whatever limits, you know, young women often put on themselves. Like, you know, like there are no rules. There is no rule book. I, with her, I never said like, whoa, well, this is what you should do or you know you ought to. It's kind of like, okay, what do you want to do? How do we make that happen? You know, uh, no idea was too crazy. Um, I think with my older daughter, the way our relationship has developed, it's, you know, she is getting to know me it probably in a way she didn't know me before and she's getting to see me as, as like a person, not just her mother. Uh, So I, I, I think that's been good. You know, I often feel like I wish, I wish it could have happened sooner, but I am just thankful it happened. Well, like in your writing, you talk a lot about second chances. So it's, it seems like going through everything that you went through you have developed this philosophy. You talk about regrets a lot in terms of not having any. (laughs) So you are just like full speed ahead. You stopped education. You had a career for 19 years. You got back into education a little bit, um, teaching abroad. You took a gap year in Mexico and you said you found home in Mexico and you're working on residency there, um, even with everything going on. Um, you've been skydiving. You've jumped from a building. 
have a motorcycle license or had one. Um, yeah. And you talk a lot about perspective, like not really feeding into things negatively. It's just like, okay, this is not going the way I want. How can we salvage the day kind of attitude? Yeah. Life is short. Um, and you really want to make the most of the time you have. And um, I guess because I, my best friend often talks about uh, the, the change that she's seen in me over the last like five, six years. And she was like, you know, you just used to be carrying the weight of the world on your shoulder. And she's like, you know, like right now you are, you are living life full throttle. And I'm like, yeah, like, is it, wouldn't that have been sad if all I had gotten were the first 39 years of my life? And that's, that's quite possible. You know, people, people pass away at that age and never had really been like, truly happy, truly pursuing the things uh, that I wanted to. So that's why I'm just like eternally grateful that I have had this time. I don't know how much I will have. So I want to make the most of it. So, you know, when an opportunity presents itself, I'm trying to go for it. It might not work out. Like, you know, I moved to China. Uh, That didn't, turn out to be so great but you know I, I learned some things from it and I keep it moving China is a whole other conversation <laughs> China has put you Ain't in a place honey <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah there is something about being somewhere where the values of the culture do not align with your own values viscerally yeah I mean, but in a way, I felt that way when I left the United States. That's one yeah. of the reasons I left yeah. because the, 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 the belief system there didn't align with my personal belief system. But then being here in one of what I've always felt was one of the most alien places ever, it is like almost surreal. So let me ask Adelia, did you have... Like, what was your process like? 39 years. What was your process like of saying, okay, hey, this is enough and I can't do it anymore? Because part of you must have been screaming the whole time. Well, not like the whole 39 years, but you know. What, this, did, this what is kind actually of help did you I've, have? Yeah. Um, this is actually something I've given some thought to. Um, and a couple of things that I've figured out is as women, we in the U.S., we are conditioned to silence that part of us that says, you know what, this ain't it. This ain't right. This isn't what I want to do. We have been taught to be like, well, it could be worse. So we put up with crap and that crap could be any number of things and we make do because it could be worse. So there's that piece of it. Um, And then I think it was sort of a, a slow, it was a slow thing because I sort of was fighting myself all the way. You know, um, I, I often point back to when I went natural in 2010, like there's a series of decisions or, 
discoveries I made since then that, you know, where you start to question things, things that you have accepted, like, you know, I'd been getting my hair relaxed since I was two years old. That was like, I had no idea what my actual hair looked like. And it was just something you went, I went along with, but then you question that, then you start to question the food you eat or, you know, where are my clothes made? You know, who, who picked this food? You know, you start to question all of these things. And that then makes you start to look around at other things that you're like, "Mm, this is not optimal for me. Um, and I can also remember one of my former students had said something to me and she saw me as who I wanted to be, but not really who I was at that time. And she said something to me and it's sort I, I, I always think back to that day as like, that's the day I remembered who the hell I was and then started to make adjustments so that my life matched who I was or who I am. We've never actually met, but I could just not, I could not imagine you not having that hair. Yeah. (laughs) I could not imagine you being quiet about anything. Like I even think, um, I see that this year you've chosen like a brand color and it's red. And like, I don't see that anywhere else. And it's like a really bold, loud, like red, red. Like the red we were warned yeah. against wearing on our nails because it would make us look fast type of red. <laughs> so like, I, it's amazing. I couldn't see you as anything other than who you are and who you're continuing to become. It's just like, so fantastic. That's, that's awesome to hear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I, you say that and I, I, I'm looking down at my forearm back in, was it October? I was in um, Indonesia and I ended up getting um, a bamboo tattoo. And it's a quote that says, I love the person I become because I fought to become her. And, uh, you know, like to hear you say that, I'm like, you know, yes, that that's right. I'm, I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing because I fought really hard to get to this point in my life. There's just so much uneducation we have to go through. Um, Oh, man. (laughs) Man. Do you you think that it is different for Black women? Like, I know that everybody and everybody alive has some type of journey, right? But do you think that Black women have, like... It's, it's, It's so much more complicated as a Black woman because there are, I, I believe that there are freedoms that women who are not black have in pursuing what they want, discovering who they are, that we are just not given the time to have. We're not allowed to have those things. I think there's so much that is not clearly stated. Like it's not said out loud. It's just you're expected to know that that's not for you. I think that there's like, what is that subversive or like subliminal? Hidden, subliminal. I don't know what subversive is. <laughs> um, well, it is subversive too, but yeah. <laughs> I have to look that up. Um, but there's, it, I think that there's a lot of it. And so us trying to develop this language in order to explain our experiences has been really critical. And us being able to have these conversations because 
that was also that's also been part of our crippling is not being able to have these conversations about the lives that we were living, not lining up with who we were as actual human beings. And that's one of the reasons I started the blog, um, because I there's so much I don't know about like my mother or my grandmother, because, you know, there were conversations that were never had. And also the same thing you're just talking about, like there were expectations of who they were expected to be. And so it, the blog started as my way of putting all of this out there so that if, if no one, if no other black woman benefited from it, at least the two I gave birth to would. That is so fierce. I love that so, so very much um, because that's two more. And then I think it just like spreads from there. It's that un- the, our undoing is gives somebody else a, a stronger baseline, you know? So you've, you've had the Piggy Girl Travel blog for a long time, it seems like. So just last year, last May, Oh, a year ago, <laughs> you you said it was like your third or fourth relaunch of your blog. Um, you were having some troubles with consistency. And so you took a course and it seemed like, and you actually finished the course, which as an educator, I think that's funny that you <laughs> lose interest. <laughs> but yeah, I could see that transition in you talk about like architecture a lot. You talk about geography quite a bit as well. Um, there's so many pictures of you just like smiling and like being with friends. And but it, I could see the shift in you starting to try to tell your story more, trying to express more about what you've gone through. Um, so I'm so thankful that you you invested in yourself because it seems like you were <laughs> seeking a way to do what you do better, right? Yeah, and it was it was also a struggle because I'm I'm a private person. Um so <laughs> which is kind of strange now that my whole life is on the internet, but but I am in essence. So I had to get to a place where I was comfortable sharing more of that and I had to remind myself of the good it would do to share my story and what I been through versus keeping keeping it all to myself so I had to you know get over whatever little hang-ups I had that is so generational I don't know it hit maybe around folks that are maybe 30 and up where there's just this instant privacy like we we share some things but like not like our real real stuff i feel like these young girls are just out here tossing it to the wind (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's so generational you know is that a is that a product of you know the times they grew up in because you know we all we all joke the uh, the the gen xers we all joke about like thank goodness there was no social media or internet back when we were doing our dirt in high school and whatnot um Cause you know we'd have never gotten jobs, um, but I mean they still so like you. Come on now, you know <laughs> doing the same stuff y'all was doing, and they still get yeah. Jobs. We just didn't have evidence of it, but they're also um, getting fired. And we didn't because of a yes. That racist. is true. That yeah. is true. 
Yeah, that's true. But yeah. Um, so that, that, you know, and I'm, it's still, uh, oh, something I work on. Like I'm still, like you said about unlearning things, I'm still having to talk to myself and identify and catch myself when I'm falling into those old habits because, you know, that stuff's been drilled into us forever. But you also talk about like the internet freeing you. So you being able to figure out whatever, whatever it was that you wanted to figure out. So it's like, I want to do this. How do I do it? I want to move. How do I move? I want to uh, get a job abroad. How do I get a job abroad? Like I want to figure out what it is to live in a place. Yeah. Like how would I've thought about that too. Like how would I have done this pre-internet? You know, like I am, I, I get so excited when I see in the various groups I'm a part of, you know, somebody's like, Oh, I'm 21 and I want to do this, this and this. Well, yeah. Like, I probably wanted to do those things when I was at age two, but I wouldn't have, I didn't know how to do it because we didn't have the information available. Um, when I, when I taught in the States, I used to tell kids all the time, like if I had had the internet growing up, oh my gosh, I'd, I'd rule the world. Like they just don't get how unbelievable it is. The vast amount of information they have available to them at their fingertips any time of day, everywhere they go. And I'm very thankful for it because it has allowed me to, you know, gallivant around the world doing whatever. I think like everybody has that version of that. We never really understand what it's like to live other generations' experiences. Um, It's just like maybe the kids who were born around the time of September 11th they don't understand like people who haven't gone through something big. They don't understand how fast Mm -hmm. life actually does go back to normal because people's brains want to protect normalcy. So yeah, you may have to kick your shoes off, but you are still getting on that plane and it's going to be the same. You may have to wear a mask, but you're getting on the plane. Like some, some things are, are bound to change, but like, it's not, I don't know. The revolution hasn't been televised because there hasn't been one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I I just see like more of the same. Change is so gradual. It's never, it's never been so, so abrupt. It seems like. I think it's also one of those things about not everyone can see it. Um, There are the people who are, either in tune to it or have the sight for it. And then there are a lot of people who are oblivious to it. Let's talk about your timeline a little bit. So Honduras was the first time you moved internationally. Yes. But China was your first international trip, but that was just short term. (sighs) No, it was my first international solo trip. I had traveled internationally before. Um, I had taken students to Italy. Um, I had traveled with the dude I used to be married to. Uh, but going to China was the first time I traveled outside the U.S. like complete, well, almost completely by myself. I was I was alone, but it was part of a, a group package. Well, that's fine. Yeah, that was. 2013. Mm-hmm. So let's see, 2013 China trip, 2016 moving to Honduras, 
Um, your contract ended in Honduras. You were in Mexico in 2017 um, on a gap year. And then you went against your intuition and went to Kuwait in 2018. <laughs> yes. Uh, what happened in Kuwait? Oh, Kuwait. I took a job I should not have that I knew better than to take, but I did take because, um, you know, I am, I am, a, I'm an educator. I'm a teacher. Um, one of the things that I had always wanted to do was to teach at an all girl school. I went to an all girl high school. So I knew the value in a single sex education. Um, so because I was led to believe that I would be teaching girls, I ignored some things that I should not have, and I took that job. And then the job turned out to be horrific. Um, not that Kuwait was all that hospitable of a place, but you add that with a job that was just the job from hell, and yeah, Kuwait did not end well. Do you um, coach or advise, consult uh, people who are interested in education as a means to travel? Um, yes, I do. Um, I actually am putting the finishing touches on um, uh, an ebook for people who want to teach for like certified teachers in the U.S. who want to teach abroad. Um, that is more my area of expertise than, let's say, somebody who wants to teach English abroad, although I dabbled in that very briefly. Um, so, yeah, I, a, lot of, a lot of my life is about, I learned this the hard way, so you don't have to. So I usually can share with people all the stuff not to do. It's almost like it's my superpower or something. <laughs> No, I feel you on that. My first time uh, leaving the States to like move, I went to El Salvador and I did pretty much everything wrong that you should not, I would not, and did not repeat. <laughs> so that happens. But I think it's, uh, I think it's difficult, right? Because there's a lot of information out there, but it may not be specific to you. And a lot of people are trying to figure out like their travel style and everything. Like I'm sure some people would not think to travel with the dog as you do. How has that experience been for you? It's been really good. Um, there was a brief, like she didn't get to come to Kuwait uh, because when my visa paperwork came through, I had to leave very quickly and there pet importation process is a little bit more complex. So I, I expected to be in Kuwait a year and I was going to pick her up at Christmas and bring her back. Um, but it, it has been very cool um, to have her with me, um, especially when you live someplace that's dog friendly. It's really great. Um, that is not China, by the way, but no, it's, it's, it's been good overall. She's, she's happy. I, I feel like I have an obligation to her <laughs> Uh, so she, she's happy. Um, are the logistics relatively simple usually? 
Usually, yes. Um, unless you are dealing with a country that is extra bureaucratic, which is what I am finding China to be. Um, Latin America on the whole tends to be much more pet friendly. You know, Europe isn't even that complicated because I've, I've done some research there, looking at that as possible places to go when I leave here. You know, as long as you get the proper paperwork, but to come here to China, I've, it was so, so, so much, so extreme. It's like, just to give you an example, she needed to have a rabies blood test, which could only be performed by eight labs in the world that they would accept results from. What the hell? And I was, yeah, you know, it's... It's just stuff like that. And I, I get they don't want you to bring an animal here that is that has rabies, but, like, she's not some animal I found on the street. I can show you years of shot records. You know what I'm saying? So, and, yeah, China is just extra. <laughs> so that's the easiest way to say it. Um, she, and so I am. You did get her to China. She's not with you right now, yes. but you did get her to China. No. Oh, okay. She's, she's here. Oh, um, okay, okay. Now, figuring out how to get her out, I have started that process. Um, apparently, it changes all the time, depending where you leave, where you exit from in China determine some part of it because every city has different rules, which is interesting because if it's a communist government, we all got to do the same thing. Why do each city have a different rule? And then I'm, I'm throwing the whole system out of whack because instead of doing what most people do here, which is put their animal in cargo and leave from like Beijing or Shanghai, my animal will be in the cabin and I am leaving from this city. That apparently never happens. And when we went to the government office, they didn't even know what the requirements were because it never gets done. So um, I'm getting to practice my patience, you know. <laughs> um, have you had support as you've been figuring out your work and your travel? Um, I think you're ready to put education down for a little bit again. So have you had like support in your process of figuring everything out? Support from like friends, family, that kind of support. Like, do you feel supported um, as you are making these changes in your life? And that could, support could come from anywhere. Yeah. Although I, I the, the hesitancy you hear my voice is like, do I need other people's support? But, but yeah, like, <laughs> um, I, no one, I'm not saying, oh, I'm going to do this thing. And people are like, oh, are you, sh are you sure you should do that? Blah, blah, blah. So yeah, I feel supported. Um, when I have needed assistance, more direct assistance, I've been able to get it, you know, um, I guess I'm in my head, I'm struggling with support versus approval. Cause like, I don't care if anybody approves. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I call them team Adelia. Team Adelia has been very supportive and, you know, pitches in whenever I need them. Have you been able to uh, create or maintain uh, close relationships as you've traveled? Um, 
with other black women, yes. Um, with locals, somewhat, somewhat. Um, and part of that is on me because I am not very outgoing. Um, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an introvert, so like I'm not always like out trying to meet people and make friends and that sort of thing. But um, I was just thinking about this the other day, like my, my circle of incredible black women, that has grown since I moved abroad, interestingly enough. Are a lot of them from the course that you did or how did you meet them? Uh, living in Mexico, um, you know, or through travel, you know, you're, you're in a Facebook group and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm in um, Simreap. And somebody says, oh, I live here. And then you go out for a drink and y'all hang out and then you still stay in touch, that sort of thing. Um, and then there are some ladies that I've connected with that were in uh, the blogging course that I took uh, last year. Um, so, yeah, uh, I don't I guess I don't meet people in the traditional sense. I meet them in the places that I am with my weird self. But, yeah, I have. <laughs> Why do you think you're weird? Oh, I'm, I'm, well, okay, weird in the sense that I'm not like most people, and that's, that's okay, that's okay, like, I don't have a hang-up about it, but I will be the first to admit, like, I'm an odd bird. <laughs> I wasn't trying to weaponize it, that's like somebody calling somebody fat. Well, no, some people, some people Take might, might feel a, a certain way about it, but like, yeah. You know, I'm gonna call it what it is. <laughs> All right. Um, do you think that traveling as a black woman has impacted your experiences? Hmm. I don't know. I I never really I never really felt the weight of being black while I travel until I came, until I moved to China. When I had visited China as a tourist, my experience was very different. And that could very much be because I was in like Beijing, I was in Hong Kong, I wasn't in a place like Hefei. Um, but when, when I travel, uh, I don't know. Because I'm, tr I'm, I'm trying to think. I don't know. It seems like it seems like China's been kind of the only place you've been aware of it. Yeah, and and I think part of part of it is because of my own nature and personality. I tend to keep a low profile. I'm not trying to be the center of attention, that sort of thing. And so I like to travel in such a way where people leave me alone. Like, you know, like when I was in Iceland. It's <laughs> oh my God. So, you know, like the little things you could place on your body to keep mosquitoes away. I just imagine you having that, but like, stay the fuck away from me. Oh. <laughs> I have I have a resting bitch face like you would not believe. I can't imagine. Um, I cannot imagine. <laughs> so, you know, like I'm in Europe. Like, okay, over over in January, February, I was in Eastern Europe. Obviously, I'm not from there. 
okay? I don't blend in, but it wasn't a big deal. Nobody made a big deal of it. Um, in Iceland, I don't look Icelandic. Nobody made a big deal. It wasn't a big deal. Um, in Mexico or in Latin America, as long as I keep my mouth shut, nobody pays me any mind unless I want them to. But here, it is like from the time I leave the door, it is constant scrutiny. Even if I'm walking through my apartment complex that I have lived in for a year and these people have seen me every day, it's still like, oh, look at her. Let's all stare. And um, yeah, I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Um, I don't know what it is about staring. It's something that's super disrespectful in the Black community. Um, like you just don't let your eyes linger for too long. And so, yeah, it's just interesting having eyes on you and being and it's, the show. They're not subtle about it. It's not like I'm trying to look at you really quickly and look, it's not that it's, I guess in the way this sounds stupid, but like there's a, a respectful way to stare and a disrespectful way. And these people are all about the disrespectful way to do it. Um, which is why I often return their stares with an equally disrespectful and uncomfortable stare. There's like this, and, this body language where you just kind of open your eyes wide and you cock your head to the left or right. <laughs> and that's like, do, yep. you want smoke? do you want smoke? Yeah. Yep. So, so I, I, think, quite often. I think the difference too is that like, if you look at the person who's looking at you in some cultures, they will look away. But like, every culture don't do that. They'll just continue to stare like, oh, you're looking at me, look at you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, ciao. Um, so do you have any other hobbies aside from sewing? Um, no, I mean like I read, I travel. Um, but like a hobby is like something you do on the side. Like that's travel. what I'm saying. It's my life. Right. <laughs> like that's, that's my like life. So water. For yeah. You. Um, no, I mean, I hang out with the dog. Uh, you don't I was going to say my life isn't really that exciting. <laughs> it doesn't. Hobbies don't make your life exciting. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it, Sewing, sewing is my hobby. That yeah. is my hobby. That's the, the, the other thing I do on the side. It is sewing. Yeah. What, what do you think has helped you to get through the challenges that you've been faced with? We talked a little bit about like you slowly, you know, like choosing your hairstyle more consciously, choosing how you dress consciously. Um, the other kind of challenges, maybe the internal challenges, what would have helped you to, to get past them? I think um, I want to say resilience or flexibility. Um, somewhere along the line, because I wasn't always like that. I used to, I used to get very upset at, uh, things when they didn't go my way or they didn't work out the way I wanted to. But somewhere along the line, somewhere in there, I 
somehow figured out how to let go of that. And, you know, instead of being upset about this didn't turn out the way I want it to, I started to look for, okay, what is the, what is the lesson the universe is trying to teach me here? And so I think that change in mindset has kind of made it so that when, when there is a disaster, I don't internalize it. I don't take it personally. I don't let that cause a meltdown. It is like, okay, how do we move beyond this? What's good here that we can use and how do we keep moving? Has that been difficult to practice? No. And, 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 in answering this question, I'm trying to figure out, like, when did that happen? How did that happen? Um, no, like, it's it's almost second nature to this point when when things don't go the way I want. Because I and I also have the this I've always been like, you know, you pre- you hope for the best and you prepare for the worst. Like, OK, this is what I would like, how I would like things to go. But if it doesn't work out like that how do we rebound from this? Um, I don't find that difficult. It's, it's sort of just like a, a reaction, not even something I got to think about. Would you mind sharing your self-care practices? Um, Moscato. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, uh, I massages, um, And just, you know, sometimes just sitting and being like, you know, a glass of wine and just sit and and be and not not have not have to do anything, not have to be somewhere, just sit and be, you know, I'm trying to think. Like I, 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 I have this compulsion. I feel like I should have like a list ready and I don't. And I kind of see I'm, that. Little, I'm minorly distressed by that because it seems <laughs> like in this day and age, everybody's got this ready, ready list. Um, that doesn't mean you I have think, to have it though. Like it's what, what you do. Yeah. And I mean, I do yoga as well. Um, right before my birthday, I got back into that because that's, that's been another thing. Like the self care hasn't been happening like it should have been since I've been here. And, um, I can tell that that's having an impact on me physically. Girl, yoga. Can we talk about (laughs) that? Being somewhere you don't like, it makes it so much more difficult to like take care of yourself. Yeah. Cause I, I have come to that conclusion that this country is not good for my health. Um, in, in a number of ways. So for example, like if you, so you, it it seems like you don't even mind the winter, you don't like crowds. So you'll go to Europe in the winter. Um, but you're outside. And like you said, from the moment you hit your door, there are all manner of eyes on you. And it just takes a lot for you to even get outside. So if you did want to go out and ride a bicycle or walk or whatever, like you have to, it's more emotionally draining in order to do that. Oh yeah. So no, my, and that's, that is when it hit me, when I started to realize that I was altering my behavior because I didn't want to have to deal with that, that I was literally coming from work, 
going to my apartment and that was it. Like I didn't want to be outside. I didn't want to engage in any activity that made me have to go outside. So some of my coworkers and I, we were, we were walking in the morning and when it was the winter, you know, it's cold and dark. We don't have to worry about anybody after like the pandemic shutdown was over. Um, you know, you get three foreigners together, it's going to be a scene. So one of the girls was like, she, she, I have been vocal about my discomfort. And so she was like, you know, we can leave earlier so that when we finish, there aren't so many people. Um, last week they got together and went to the park and I was like, I like the idea of doing that y'all. I said, but I don't feel like being on display. So Unless we're going to do an activity that involves being inside, I won't be going because, you know, I've got a little bit less than two months that I'll still be here. And for those last two months, I just don't want to deal with that. So like I'm ordering my food online. I'm not going to the grocery store because even just walking in the grocery store is a whole thing. Um, but yeah, I have changed my behavior from how I would normally live my life to compensate for that. And it's, it's not been good for, for my physical health. Not yeah, at all. For real, for real. Grocery stores are a whole nother beast. Sometimes I'm happy to be in a grocery store in like a country and like just see what they have. But like, if you're dealing with a bunch of prying eyes and you can't read the labels, <laughs> like, oh, man. <laughs> Until until you get familiar with the products and like what because you're a picky eater. So yes. Oh my struggle in this country. Oh my gosh. I can't it's it is so much drama. Like you said, until I and also because in China you can't really trust the pictures they put on things because the pictures I think for them are just decoration they don't understand that other people use the pictures to be indicative of what's in the package so you can't just trust the pictures I don't read Mandarin um, the grocery store is in the basement so I can't get enough cell service to use my conversion app my translation app so yeah it it is a struggle. I never really understood what it was like to be illiterate until I moved here. Cause that's, I'm, I'm functionally illiterate here. Uh, walking down the street, I can't say, Oh, look at that restaurant. Let me go try it because I have no idea. One, if it's a restaurant Two, what do they sell it? And then don't even get me started when you have to ask like, well, what is this? Because this is a culture where you don't question the food that's put in front of you. So no one is used to answering like what it is or what's in it. It's a, it's a whole thing. It really is. It impacts a lot of, like you said, your day-to-day -day function, not just your physical, but like all the mental, you talk about feeling illiterate as an educated person, like that, that can wear on your self-esteem that can wear on your self-confidence and it wears on your mental, like it, it can give you mental drag having to constantly process. Oh, definitely. And I'm also a fairly independent person and an independent traveler. So I'm mm -hmm. used to going places and navigating on my own and being here, I am limited. Yeah. And that that is a struggle as well. Yeah. 
Um, do you have any practices that are particularly grounding for you? So is that your, your wine and bean? <laughs> um, yeah, I think, and, you know, just talking to my friends um, who are all over the world, but that would be it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's something that's also kind of built into us as the having to have an answer and like wanting it to be like a complete answer. So. Yeah. Or the right answer. Right. Um, one thing as, as an introvert, one thing, you know, a lot of introverts are made to feel bad because they don't want to engage in small talk and they don't want to hang out with people. Um, and I have, found my voice and I will be like, no, I don't socialize like that. I'm sorry. That's not going to happen. And uh, people don't always know what to do with my responses, but whatever. (laughs) Eat it. Um, (laughs) It's really interesting that you don't mention meditation. You have your religion on Facebook listed as heathen. Um, It seems like you don't have rituals or practices? No, I don't. Um, Yoga is probably the closest. Um, Meditation, I have tried it a couple of times and couldn't shake the feeling I wasn't doing it right. Um, I guess, you know what, I would guess that like I, I do a lot of internal contemplation and that's probably the thing that grounds me. I don't think about it as a practice or a ritual, but in essence, I think it is. But yeah, I don't, I don't have a ritual in the sense that most people do. So um, what does that look like? Um, it is a conversation that you have with yourself that develops, not just like thoughts leading to other thoughts leading to other thoughts. It could be either way, but no, it could literally be a conversation I'm having with myself. That's really interesting. Have you, have you always spoken to yourself? Probably. Um, Cause I've, I've spent a lot of time alone kind of my whole life. So, so yeah. Maybe that's that introvert thing. Cause like you haven't actually, the first time you lived alone was 2014. I know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So alone, you've been doing alone together for a long time, baby. (laughs) Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Which is, which is why, um, people always ask about like dating and if I'm going to get married again. And like, I can, if I ever find that unicorn somewhere, um, it will have to be a a live apart together kind of situation because yeah, I just got a chance to be physically by myself and I'm not ready to give that up. (laughs) That's really interesting. Um, so, like, I guess in the psychology world, they call it self-talk or something like that. Um, and people have to, I guess they gave it a name so that people would be more conscious of how they're speaking to themselves. So it seems like you have, like, a good thing going on. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> um, 
I, I, I don't think about it, but yeah, I am. I have had a friend remark about the amount of self-contemplation that I do. Like, and, and I think you even said something to that. Like, you know, I can kind of step outside myself and analyze and observe behaviors, patterns, that sort of thing. And so, yeah, I'll talk to myself about those things, you know, like, oh, you, you know, you're doing this thing again. Sometimes I answer back. Sometimes I don't. You talk about learning the hard way, but like that seems like the real superpower because some people learn the hard way. And I mean, we all learn the hard way in, in essence because people can tell you about stuff, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to stop you from making the mistakes you need to make in order to learn what you need to learn, the quote unquote mistakes. Um, I guess I feel like I don't, I don't, you know, some of those people kind of just charge ahead very foolhardy and I don't feel I do that, but it does seem that I have a knack for ending up in these bizarre situations, you know, like I think about uh, when my daughter needed to, she had a school trip in Honduras to go to Costa Rica with the, with the school choir and she ended up Honduran immigration would not let her leave because they have all these child trafficking laws and you have to have this proper paperwork, blah, blah, blah. And I had paperwork, but they wouldn't accept it because her teacher put her Honduran residency thing down instead of putting her down as a foreigner. And so once they did that, she was governed by Honduran law and I didn't have the Honduran paperwork. And so then that started this whole, like, how do we solve this problem so the kid can go on her choir trip? And so I navigate all that, and I have a friend who is building a house in Honduras who was going to be going down there with her two minor children and returning without her husband. And so, you know, like, I went through all of this drama, and then I could be like, okay, for when you go, this is the paperwork you need, like... I guess I'm left with a feeling like I didn't need to experience that just to be able to share it with somebody else. I'm glad I could, but you know, I would be happy if life was like a little dull sometimes and those things didn't seem to always happen. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, couldn't that, couldn't that be said about every hard experience? Like I, I like Kuwait. You knew you, you knew. Yeah. You knew. <laughs> yeah. I knew. You knew. Yeah. Yeah. Are you talking yeah. about no, like, the things that, that you don't know about? Well, yeah. But to be fair, but I think you're, I don't think you're talking about that specifically. You're talking about the things that you don't see coming. Like who. Yeah. I think that's it. That? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You think you experienced them more often than anybody else? probably not it probably just feels that way um because i have for several people i have become that person where it's like x weird thing is happening to me i bet adelia knows how to solve this or i bet adelia has had experience with this so in actuality i'm very much aware that it probably does not happen to me any more often than it does anybody else but I have developed a reputation of that's the person to ask because she probably knows. I feel you on that. 
I used to like keep a blog. Um, I'm also, uh, one sec, I don't know what you call it. I did not keep my blog up, <laughs> but like I would put all types of tips in there. And these are the tips that cost me, right? So these are the things that I figured out because what I think most people are looking for a simple solution for things, but me, like I get in the weeds and it to my detriment <laughs> often because I was just like, there's, there's an answer. There's another way to do this. That's like not popping up right away. So I dig, um, which has led to me having some different experiences. And so like sharing that so easily for someone who doesn't have to go through that. I think that, that I have had that thought like, well, dang. <laughs> like I'm, you're, and, and it's for free. So like, yeah, I've definitely had that thought. Um, so when you are traveling, which is always now, um, when you're exploring a place, how do you like to explore? I like to wander. (laughs) I, um, I will, you know, do the basic, what is there to do? What is this place known for? If I don't already have some background in the place, um, or some area of interest, um, I do, I like to wander and just kind of see where my little exploration takes me and what, what, what can I just stumble upon? That's really my preferred way to travel. And you are a city girl, so sand irritates you to no end. So you are not a beach lady. Um, No, sand, salt. (laughs) You don't like the countryside. You like the hustle and the bustle. You like to be around where all the, the buildings are. You don't mind. It seems like you don't mind like going off into the jungle to like see something cool. Like you went out to see the rice paddies there and force yourself <laughs> yeah. to go out. If, it, if it's something, and, and that's, the, that's the geographer in me. If there is something really remarkable or interesting like 600 year old rice paddies or you know the 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 driest place or the lowest point in the united states um and the driest part out in um death valley you know like kind of those because i have a very uneven relationship with nature (laughs) but the the truly remarkable things like yeah i want to go out and see that if and I want to see it in the way that I can get out there to see it as quickly as possible and get back to civilization. Like I'm not trying to camp and, and live in the wilderness. No. <laughs> Come on. So like you are earning, you are uh, making sure that you are living the picky, <laughs> the picky lifestyle. So by picky, uh, you, we were talking about food a little bit, but like you refuse all vegetables and fruit in the name of life. <laughs> like you just don't. I have, I have never eaten them like my entire 45 years on earth. I, that's just not been my thing. They don't taste to me like they taste to other people. Um, why they don't taste good to me? I don't know. Maybe it's because 
I shouldn't eat them. You know, one theory is if you look in nature, uh, can you tell I've given this some thought? Uh, <laughs> because I am not drawn to them, they are not for me. Well, you look in nature and there's so many animals that like have the ability to make themselves taste bad to predators, you know, poisonous things often taste bad. And so nature is telling us you should not eat things that do not taste good. So maybe for other people, it is appropriate to eat those things, but maybe not for me. I have tried because I know people are going to be like, oh, but your taste buds change when you get older. No, they don't. Mine did not. I have tried again. I tried my damnedest to get with spinach. Um, it just didn't happen. That is so, so. hilarious. Even after two pregnancies, because uh, um, people say, I don't know, but people say that your taste changes when you're pregnant too. So that's really interesting. <sighs> Yeah, you you no, definitely you are you are crafting a very good argument. Your thesis is well as well on its way. That's so funny. You were talking about life giving you lemons, but you were like, well, actually, for me, it wouldn't be lemons because lemons are fine. Uh, life gave me broccoli. <laughs> and I am yeah, I'm like that. Lemons. That would be something that would require me to find some fortitude if life gave me broccoli. Like, what do I do with this? How do I make this work? Lemons I can work with. You can make lemon cake out of that. <laughs> oh, I love it so, so much. Um, I wanted to ask you, Adelia, how do you like to celebrate? Travel. <laughs> I love the consistency. I do. Um, yes. How do you like to celebrate these days? So you are limited right now. Right? Yes. So you yes. just had a birthday too. I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was supposed to, I should have been traveling for my birthday, but I could not. Um, and so if I can't, if I can't travel, I usually celebrate with food. And I am very well aware that that's probably not the healthiest thing, but it is what it is. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's how I, I celebrated my birthday. We went out to a Western restaurant. It was a Tex-Mex place here and somebody made me brownies and I had a margarita. Well, I had several margaritas, um, <laughs> which I enjoyed. No, I enjoyed Never. thoroughly. Um, but yeah, honestly, I I would travel to celebrate. Um, so I I've given some thought to like I've seen a lot of the distress people are feeling at not being able to travel during this time. Um, and funny enough, like I'm not feeling that. Like I'll, I know I'll get back to it eventually. So I'm not I'm not really stressing and lamenting the traveling too much at this point. I'm distressed at all these people online who don't want to be there. Like, could y'all please go back outside? Cause it's miserable. Like you have all manner of thoughts, all hours of the day now, so much anxiety, so much recycling of information. And yeah, you can tell, uh, you know, that meme that says something like, you know, um, 
some of you weren't punished as children and stayed stayed grounded in your rooms and you can really tell like I spent a lot of my youth on punishment by myself so being in quarantine lockdown not that much different you know what was you being punished for ah the dumb stuff I did I did plenty of dumb stuff. We won't we won't get into the all details right, of it. Right. Most of it was legal, okay. but uh, <laughs> yeah, I did I did some dumb stuff. So I I was forever on punishment. Like my entire eighth grade year, I think I might have had two weeks where I wasn't on punishment. Girl, so yeah, <laughs> dang. So I know how to sit inside and be with myself, but there are, <laughs> I'm finding out there are a whole lot of people who cannot do that. Well, I mean, think about it. If, it, if this, these are very special circumstances, most people have not had this much time with themselves. They've been able to distract themselves. They've been able to go out. They, they have to go to work. So this is like really, really special. Yeah. Is there a song lyric or a poem that speaks to you these days? A song lyric or a poem? Not speaking to me particularly at this time, but kind of just all the time. Um, And it's not a song lyric. It is a quote from Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, uh, where the guy talks about that the universe tends to unfold as it should. And he was quoting someone else, but that's where I got the quote from. <laughs> the universe unfolds as it should. It tends, it tends to unfold as it should. It tends to unfold as it should. Okay. Well, Adelia, I like to have my guests um, share how they like to be supported. So if listeners can support your work, what's the best way for them to do that, please? Um, listeners can support my work, uh, by going to, uh, the blog, uh, pickygirltravelstheworld.com, signing up for, uh, the newsletter. Um, yeah, you know, visit, visit the blog, look into the shop. I do, um, offer a few products and services. If there's something there that resonates with you, great. If not, I, here's the way to support me. Just share. Share my what you like of mine with someone you think could benefit from it. That's, that's how you could support me. Perfect. Thank you so much. I appreciate you being so open and having this conversation out loud with us. Uh, You're most, most welcome. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, you have yourself a gorgeous day, Adelia. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye.